settling is not an option for me. Everything I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? Because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of For the Girls. I'm your host, Victoria Alario. And we are on our last episode of 2021. I cannot believe it. We are so aligned. This is actually my 21st episode. So 21 episodes for the year 2021. I can't believe that I only launched this podcast in August. It's only been four months and it has been so much fun. This podcast truly was and is my gift to you guys because I feel like I have so many opinions and thoughts and feelings that I don't fully express on my social media channels because who really has the time to sit and watch 18,000 stories all day or are people really going to pay attention to that many long IGTVs and tons of reels and super long captions. No, probably not. I just think podcasts really are the way to go to put it all out there and express yourself in full and people don't have to sit and open the app and watch you. They can just run or sleep or relax or walk or take a shower or drive their car and just listen you know and I've wanted to do a podcast for so many years and I'm so glad that I finally pulled the trigger and did it it has been a lot of fun so thank you guys a bajillion times for making my launch year a successful one and thank you for all of the support if you haven't already please 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 leave me five stars Please, please, please subscribe and pretty please with, what do you call it? With a cherry on top. (laughs) Of course, I almost messed that up. Pretty please with a cherry on top. Leave me a review. Let me and my current listeners and my future listeners know how this podcast has helped you or benefited you in any way or how it makes you feel and just really show some love because that is what keeps this going I don't think people really realize what it takes to run a podcast and it takes a village and I am a one-man show running this village by myself. So the only thing that's going to keep me up and running is your support, which is going to come from follows, subscribes, likes, comments, and reviews, and ratings. So again, thank you guys so much. And I'm really excited to end the year with this one in particular. I interviewed the one and only Crystal Iram. She is just fabulous. She's wonderful. And I have definitely mentioned a couple of times, maybe on one or two episodes, that I invested earlier this year into a course. And that course was all about love and dating and manifestation and your ideal partner and you as a partner and growth and learning and all that amazing stuff and this course was the best investment that I have made of 2021 I learned so 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 much and I also want to make sure I preface it by saying I totally paid for this I know a lot of people probably think that things are a sponsored ad or it's something that I got for free but no I was a client of Crystal's and I paid for her course And I'm really excited to have you guys get to hear from her. I will say, I definitely want to do a part two with her. I would love for you guys to submit questions for me to ask Crystal. Today's episode is really all about successful women and owning your femininity and identifying your partner in his masculine and providing for you and providing in more ways than just financial. You know, we talk about men and their financial status a lot in this episode, but it's also, you know, Crystal mentioned the importance of not necessarily what they can afford, but also what they're willing to offer. Also how they're willing to protect and provide and use their resources. And I just love the insight that she gives on the importance of what your quote quote level really means a man on my level might not mean 
necessarily financially and she kind of explains that but this podcast episode really is around successful women in dating and more specifically successful women dating high value men but there are just there there's so much more to unfold and as she was giving me answers I thought of more questions I wanted to ask her because of course it gets so much deeper there's so many more layers when you peel it all back you really get to uncover so much more but we only scratched the surface in this one. We really went over the questions that I mainly discussed with her on her course, during her course that I took with her. But there's just so much more to get into. So if you guys have questions for Crystal, we already decided and discussed that we will for sure do a part two and dig deeper. So DM them to me at forthegirls.podcast on Instagram. You could also write it in the review section on the podcast app. But... Let's get into this interview. Okay, Crystal, thank you so much for joining us today. I am super excited. Please introduce yourself to the class and tell us about your journey as a love, dating, and manifestation coach. So thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to connect with you. I love doing interviews and even better with people I absolutely adore. So Yes, I am a love and manifestation coach, and I've been doing this work for several years now. And, you know, I think it's the sort of thing where it's like this was very much my calling, a call that I maybe tried to put off for a little bit. Um, But my background is actually in law. I'm a lawyer by education, and I did what a lot of people do when they are considering switching careers, but maybe scared or holding back in some way. And I, basically moved into what one might call like a shadow career as in it was much closer to what I ultimately wanted but it wasn't it fully and so I went from law to becoming a career coach and I you know had had success in my career pretty young and so I basically moved into this shadow career where I began working as a career coach but what I always loved what I was always interested in was manifesting and specifically manifesting around love. And I actually was at a retreat in Bali with some other women business owners a couple of years ago. And they kind of called me out and we're just like, we don't understand why you're not like a love coach or like a man, like that's where your passion, like where your passion is. I was just like, yeah, good point. And that was it. And I, I began working with women to manifest love. So I had gone on my own journey of very specifically calling in my person. Um, I had very challenging relationships, you know, through my twenties where I was very attracted to emotionally unavailable people, people who were just unavailable people who, who didn't want commitment men treat me well, you know, all of these things. And I had gone through one breakup in particular where I was really just, I was devastated. I was absolutely heartbroken. And I was just like, I need to figure out what my problem is. Like, why is it that I keep ending up in the same relationship that they all end the same way? And so that's what I did. I basically did what I call a dating detox. And I took several months off of dating and I really turned my focus inward, you know, and I got very clear on like, what were the patterns that I had? Why was I, why was I holding these patterns? How could I release them? Who was I still holding onto from my past? What was I committed to creating? You know, basically I walked myself through the process that I now help my clients and students go through. And so I went through that on my own and I went into the beginning beginning of 2016. And I basically called that year, the year of the man. And I was like, I'm going to manifest my person this year. And I continued doing all of the inner work that I had started doing. I was so crystal clear on my vision and I really stayed fully aligned with it. And then in August of that year, I met Kobe and we didn't get engaged quite within the year. We were engaged January 15th, the following year. Um, but that was pretty much my journey. We were in, we were engaged in January. We were married in June and you know, the rest is history. And so now I work with other women and I help them really 
upgrade what I call their love blueprint, all of their limiting beliefs and ideas and thoughts about love, about men, about dating, help them get really clear on what they want to call in and then help them align with the love that they want. So they can create those happy, healthy, loving, committed relationships. I love that. I love that. It's so inspiring. It was truly a matter of you just like making the decision to meet your person and being super serious about it and clear about it and knowing. And you just said, okay, this is the year that I'm going to find this person. You knew what you were looking for. You knew who you were going to be and what I want to ask you now, but um, you know, you were exactly, I think the best way to say is that you were the, the partner that you would want to receive, right? Like that's, you became that. And I think that's something that I've learned so much from you. And so what I want to ask you to start this off, because I think you probably nailed exactly that when you met Colby, which is being easy to love and easy to lose. I love that you say that. I've listened to you say that a billion times. I've rewatched your reels and your quotes and all that stuff on your Instagram. So I'm sure you kind of channeled that when you were in that year of the man. So what would you say for especially first time listeners, because I've heard you say it a million times, but someone who's never heard you say it, What is it that makes a woman easy to love and easy to lose? So a woman who is easy to love is a woman who's just in love with herself. And I don't mean that in like, I'm self-absorbed and I'm the best thing and everyone else is a worthless human being, but like someone who is happy to be alive and happy with the life that she has. And that's a big deal. A lot of women, when we're single, we're hoping that like the relationship will be the thing that makes our life better. We're basically like, I have this work. That's fine. I have a home. That's fine. I have friends that I like. Everything's fine. But like when I'm in love, when I have a boyfriend, when I'm finally married, like everything will be amazing. And like, we're putting a lot of stock on like a relationship, changing our whole life and like rescuing us from a life that we're not in love with that feels mediocre or that feels boring, or in some cases from a life that feels bad, right? Like sometimes people are like, I hate my life, but I really want a boyfriend. And it's not that you're not lovable. Okay. It's not that you're not lovable if you're not happy with your life, but someone who's easy to love, they're putting out an energy that you want to be around. Like you're like, Ooh, I want some of that energy. This person seems happy and vibrant and like they're enjoying living their life. A woman is also very easy to love when she knows who she is and she is the highest and best version of herself. You know, and that's always what I talk to about my clients. Like it's not about being someone else. It's not about like morphing into some character or some manufactured version of you or like wearing a mask. It's about being like that highest and best version of you. Because the other thing that people sometimes do, they just say, well, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Like, this is me. And it's just like, yeah, okay. But like, is that really you or is that you at like your most anxious? Is that you at your most insecure? Is that you at your most selfish? Right. So it's like not just settling for like that lowest version of you, which is you, but really stepping into that highest, best, most magnetic version of you. And the woman, a woman is easy to lose because she has high standards and she's like, this is what I desire. This is what I deserve. This is what I really want. And if someone is unable or unwilling or doesn't desire to meet me there, that's totally fine. Like Godspeed onward and upward. That's just not my person. Often women don't like the idea of starting over. So they meet someone and they're like, okay, this isn't quite working, but like, I really don't want to get back on the apps. I really don't want to have to start over. And they're like clinging on to something with all they have because they don't want to start over. Or they're saying, well, I don't know if I can have any better. So let me just try to make this work. And this was me for a long time. I mean, I had situationships that went on literally for years because I wasn't being easy to lose. I was like, I'm going to hold on to this with all my might. When I stopped operating from this place of scarcity with men, when it stopped being like, oh, I caught this one, I got to hold on to him and was just like, of course I get to love, of course I get to have love. Obviously my person is out here. I get to have whatever I want. It became very easy for me to let go of people. And I was able to let go of them without it being like, oh, forget him, his loss. He's a garbage man. I don't want anything to do with him anymore. And just be like, we're not aligned. Let's go find the right people for us. That is 
so on point and so many things that you said um, tap into other questions that I have for you. Like they are just perfect. And I, I love especially that you brought up energy and the importance of the energy that you exude when you are, when you love who you are, ultimately, when you know who you are, when you love who you are, and when you're happy as a whole, you know, something that you actually said on one of our sessions, this just came back to me, was that you, not that this is how you're going to bring somebody in, but in, in this case, you know, you have to be so okay with what if you in this lifetime, you didn't meet your partner, like you have to know, just in the event that you didn't meet your partner in this lifetime, you have to be happy with that. Like, I'm I'm not saying it the way that you say it, I know, but like, you have to ultimately be happy regardless, you have to love yourself, know yourself and be happy. Regardless, knowing that this lifetime is unknown, like who you'll meet or what it'll look like and so on and so forth. And that was something that was, I think even still hard for me to really like accept, like to me, I'm like, nope, I will not accept not meeting my person in this lifetime. And I think that's probably the case for a lot of women. So the energy that you kind of exude and give off when you say, I, I know who I am. I love who I am. And I'm happy with who I am with or without this person, even if I don't meet my person in this lifetime really comes from having and owning your feminine energy. And that's something that I'm still working on that, you know, I've discussed with you a bajillion times. So from your, cause I actually have a podcast episode explaining the difference between masculine energy and feminine energy so that people could really understand that you do have both, that one does not belong to a gender. So what would you say would be the easiest tips or the beginner steps for a woman to really tap into their feminine energy and be able to have that more like airy way about them and just receive. Yeah. So I think of the easiest way of explaining them is that like the feminine energy is the receiving energy and the masculine energy is the giving energy. It's the doing energy versus like the feminine energy is the being energy. So part of it is just getting more comfortable receiving. I think a lot of women, especially women who are used to like making things happen and getting things done in their career, they have a lot of masculine energy and that's totally fine. And that's normal. I have a lot of masculine energy. I run my own business and I don't feel like that's a bad thing. It's not something I'm trying to get rid of. And even in my relationship, I'm not always in my feminine energy. There's plenty of times where I'm like, let's, you know, this is the way I think we should do this. And there are times where it feels really good to just be able to sort of lean back a little bit. So if it's something you want to cultivate, there's a couple of things you can do. One is to practice receiving and doing it more consciously. Um, So it can be something as simple as like compliments. A lot of women, they're just not even comfortable receiving compliments. If someone compliments them, they have to, they feel like they immediately have to compliment someone back. So there's this practice and I'm trying to remember, um, I don't remember where it's from, but I actually got this from Julia, um, from my, my friend and someone who's also a coach, Julia Wells. And it's basically like, if someone compliments you, it's basically, thank you. You say, thank you. And you say, that's, thank you. That's true. And it's very activating. Someone's like, oh, you look beautiful today. And you're like, thank you. It's true. It's very activating because we're always like, we shouldn't be arrogant. We shouldn't be cocky. Like, how can you say that? And it's, it's funny when someone responds that way, like we're so not used to it, but it feels really good. Actually. Like it allows you to take, it allows you to like receive at like a deeper level when you're sort of acknowledging that someone has said this, um, and that like, it's a truthful thing. So that's one thing that I think is just like, very activating and fun. And the other is just like when someone wants to give something to you, like allowing them, you know, like I have a lot of girlfriends where, you know, even to buy them a cup of coffee, like they can't, they won't allow it. They feel like, Oh no, I'll owe someone. No, 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 no. I I can, I can pay for it. I can pay for it. It's just like, no, of course you can. Right. Like, of course you can. It's about just like allowing people to give you things if they want, like allowing yourself to receive. And so 
not rejecting things so much, just like saying thank you. Or, you know, if someone's holding a door for you, instead of running to get the door, you just walk to the door and then you say thank you. Just like allowing some of these things to feel normal, right? Where it's like, of course, someone's holding the door for me. Like, it's like, that's a nice, decent thing to do. And like, you don't have to drag your feet, like walk at a normal pace. But I do feel like a lot of women feel like, oh, I'm not worthy of the space. I'm not worthy of the time. So like I have to rush. And then I think the big, big thing with feminine energy is that it's really about meeting more in your body and less in your head. You know, when we're in our masculine energy and especially with work, we're very much in our head. We're thinking, we're planning, we're being logical and that's all good. And like, if you have a lot of that energy, I'm sure it serves you very well. So shifting into the feminine is about sort of moving out of your head and into your body. So sometimes that's like with movement. You know, for some women, just like moving their hips around is enough for them to start to like move out of their head and feel back into their body. Um, A lot of women feel that like water really allows them to sort of move into that. So like taking a bath is like a very, it's like a very simple luxury, right? Like that is a very luxurious way of like reconnecting with your own body. And it doesn't have to like take so much. A lot of people have bathtubs, but it's really just about you and like what allows you to feel more connected to your body and more in your body, because a lot of very simple things can allow you to sort of tap into your feminine energy, even just like being aware, like if you're putting lotion on your legs, you know, how do most of us do it? You know, it's like you pump out the lotion, then you slap it on your legs and you like rub it in as fast as possible and then like get dressed. So it's like, instead of doing that, where it's like you take the lotion and you like actually feel it in your hands. And then as you're putting it on your legs, you're actually feeling that and like feeling what it feels like having your hands on your legs, like feeling it in your hands, feeling it in your leg. It's just like taking you out of your head and into your body. And it's like very, uh, it can be very calming very quickly because we're not used to bringing that awareness into like our day-to-day activities. Wow. Right. I love that. So how would you say that a woman who can't, maybe not necessarily the polarizing, you know, two-sided sort of relationship, but a woman who really cares to have her man in his masculine energy. Hi, me, for example, (laughs) I, I can't deal with the guys who want me to make plans or want me to take action or all that kind of stuff. How would you say that a woman who does care about her, her partner being in his masculine kind of lead him into his masculine. If he's not really showing up that way, is it possible to, without exactly saying, this is what I need from you, or is it something that you have to be more direct about? I think it's very hard if you're trying to lead a man into his masculine. I'm not going to say it can't be done. Um, I'm sure that it can, but by you leading him into his masculine, like you're kind of inherently taking on the masculine role. I think that it's much easier to be with a man who already is fairly masculine and you can sort of like quote unquote help him by just like telling him what you want sometimes. Right. But if you're with a guy who isn't a leader type, who's not decisive, who is perfectly fine, not being that way. Like he's gotten through however many, you know, 20, 30, 40 something years of his life as he is. um, I think it's a little bit of a, a battle that you're choosing. Yeah. I think that's a bit of an uphill battle. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more or less like identify what you want. And then if it's not what you want, then that's not going to be your person per se, because you, it's kind of like you said, an uphill battle and you're almost probably never going to be satisfied if that is a huge priority to you. So, I mean, it's like, you got to think about it. Like if you're constantly thinking, how can I get him to be different? How can I change him? If he would just do this one little thing, he would be such a better person. You're so in your masculine when you're doing that, when you're like looking for something to fix, when you're seeing all the ways that something could be fixed, like you're firmly in your masculine. And so it's just kind of, it's, it's hard that way. Yeah. Like with my husband, see, I'm not super, I don't get like too hung up on like, am I being feminine or am I not being feminine right now? So there are times where like, I'll say to my husband, like, I want to go out sometime next week. Can you like figure out something for us to do? Is that a feminine approach? Probably not. If we're talking strictly about polarity, that's probably pretty masculine of me, but I'm like, I don't really care. Like if I tell him what I want, then he, then, then like he can go with it, you know? 
And so like, is there a more like perfectly aligned feminine way? Maybe, but like, I don't, I don't know that I care that much. (laughs) No, I totally, I totally. I also think that that comes from a place of comfort with your partner and comfort with yourself. And you can, you can be all the versions of you. You can utilize all your energy because like you always say, you can't do the wrong thing with the right person. Well, even if you do the wrong thing, it won't, you still won't be wrong for the right person. And then with the wrong person, nothing you do will ever be right. So I think that it comes with that level of comfort of knowing like, well, even if, even if this is quote, quote wrong, this is my right person. So it's still we're going to be fine regardless. It's true. It's also like the stage of the relationship we're in. Like we have, you know, an almost one-year-old daughter. So for us to have like the time and energy to sort of keep our relationship the way that we like it, I don't have, I don't, I don't have the mental bandwidth to, um, like to, to do the dance or to like play the game. You know, so for me to just sort of tell him really clearly what I want, that's how we're able to like do the things that allow us to connect. And that's what I prioritize. Now, there could be a time in our relationship where like our, our, our family doesn't require as much attention. And I do have the energy to like, just focus on our dynamic. And I might decide I want to be more fully in my feminine. How can I communicate in a more feminine way? So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that that's like a a beautiful thing. And I think that relationships go through, through phases, you know, right now it's like a lot of our energy is parenting. And so we have to make sure that like, whatever time we have with each other is like spent in the best way. And for me, that's like doing the thing that we want to do rather than me trying to figure out like the, the like right way to say something, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I'm sure on your first few dates, that was more of where your, your energy was at. And now it's like, okay, I don't care. I need you to take me to dinner. (laughs) Let's go out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I totally, that makes complete sense. I think that, you know, everyone goes through seasons, every relationship goes through seasons and that requires a different, you know, mental capacity of, of what you could really focus on and think about and feel for that matter. So now I actually, I remember, I feel like that you had mentioned when you and Kobe started dating, maybe you didn't live in the same state or something. And he like flew you there or something of the sort. Yeah. So that's, that's what we're all about here. The high standards. We are all team Kobe kind of gals on <laughs> the podcast. Uh, so first things first, along with that, um, I, not going to lie. I consistently use your quote, but I do always credit where I got it from. But I, now I want, you know, the man, the myth, the legend crystal here to be able to take the credit of if you can't afford to date, he can't afford a wife. <laughs> and I, I'm sorry. I, I use it all the time because it is so dang true. And I'm always like saying where I got it from, but people are probably like, she made this girl up <laughs> now here you are in the flesh. So th- you are the real voice behind that. And I think that for me and a lot of women who listen to this podcast, we are successful and we have these high standards, but we really prioritize having a partner that's on that level. But at the same time, there's also the whole like men, a high value man, a a high effort man probably won't care how successful we are as women. (laughs) And I know that you've talked about that saying like men aren't going to fall in love with your success. They aren't going to fall in love with your money. They're going to fall in love with your energy. So I guess, can you share a little bit about the type of man that like, there's the difference, you know, there's the man who would go half seas with a girl and there's the man who wouldn't even dare have you take out your wallet. So I think a lot of women who are successful have this problem of like really identifying with the standards, like what they need to show a man that they're worth, you know, like, well, I have these high standards. So because I am this, that, and the third, so like, I'm going to show it to this guy. So I don't know. I feel like I've learned so much about my standards and the type of men that I bring in and the type of men that I want 
but what is the way to kind of pull back and not necessarily show my value or my worth because I am, you know, a quote, quote, successful woman. I know that was like a full circle question, but you, you, I think that you get what I'm trying to say. So I think it's a lot of it is about what you said about like thinking that like, what do men care about? So what a lot of successful women do is they say, I'm really successful. I make, you know, however much money a year, this is the education that I have. This is the kind of car that I drive. Therefore I want a man on my level, quote unquote, my level is this is probably one of the most common phrases that I hear from women who are potential clients. They say, I I just, I don't need men on my level. And I think it's a huge mistake for you to even look at men based on like the financial aspects and the career successes being on your level or not on your level, because the way that men and women approach dating and love is different. And so if you are saying, I make this kind of money, I have this kind of education, that's what I bring to the table. You're approaching dating as if you were a man, because women place a premium on those things. Women often value someone who's a provider, someone who is stable, someone who can provide a nice home and pay for things and all of that. Most men do not value that. Now, that doesn't mean don't get an education, don't be successful, anything like that. No, be a boss bitch, accomplish all of your dreams and goals and be damn proud of it because that's an amazing thing to do. And understand that that is not what men are per se looking for. So When you can keep that in mind, it can allow you to sort of approach things in a way that's going to let you get closer to what you want. And a lot of women don't like hearing this, right? Like this is very, very triggering and upsetting for a lot of successful women because they're like, oh, so I guess you're saying that like, I shouldn't have gone to college or like my degree is worthless or everything I've done is just like, doesn't mean anything. And it's like, no, that's not at all what I'm saying. It's just saying that like, that is not going to be with the kind of man you want. If you're looking for that successful man, it's not going to be the same thing he's looking for. What are men looking for? They're looking for someone that like, they really like someone that they're extremely attracted to. This is the part that I think is challenging. It's like a man who makes a lot of money. And especially if he's very young, as in like under 34, 35. See, here's the thing. A lot of the men that make a lot of money, when we're talking about multiple six figures or seven figures, those are going to be guys in their forties and up a guy who's in his thirties or in his twenties. And he's making that kind of money, whatever age they are, they can have any woman they want essentially, because that is the thing that a lot of women value. So a guy can be ugly, charmless, rude, fat and rich. And he will have whatever woman he desires. Okay. He can be 47 and gross and be with a beautiful, beautiful 25 year old, 24 year old, 28 year old, whatever age it is that he prefers. So it's important to understand this because it's like the men with the most resources have the most dating options. So they're going to just go with whatever preference. Like So it's not to say that they don't care about a woman who's intelligent. Like a lot of men will say it is important to me to be with a woman that I can enjoy conversation with. But I think what a lot of women do is they assume that there's no one that has the same like mental capacity who's not like them. As in they assume because I'm 38 and I have this kind of career the kind of man I want should want a woman like me, assuming that he can't meet someone who has the same sort of mental capacity, but is extremely beautiful and in really good shape and younger. So does this mean that like, you can only get like a stable, high quality man, if you're like under 29 and beautiful and thin? No, but it is about understanding that like some of the things that you're giving a lot of weight to like your education and how much money you have aren't holding the same weight with him. So the things that are going to make a difference to him in a lot of cases, it's going to be appearance. And obviously people have different preferences for appearance. Like some men think that, you know, different men think that different types of women are beautiful, but like pretty much any, all men want women that they think are beautiful. And the men with money are always the women that are beautiful because they can get anyone. Often they want women that are active and in shape. Often they want women that are easy for them to be around. You know, the ones that are easy for them to have fun with. The ones where like they feel good being around this woman. A lot of women also 
have sort of an energy where they think that they're, they're better than most people and they're very combative and they'll say, you know, I really want a man who can challenge me. And like, I'm the type of woman that can really challenge a man. Most men don't want a woman that challenges them. You know, that's something that women have in their mind that like guys want this challenging woman. Most men don't want that. Some do, of course, just like some men want all sorts of different things. But like, generally, if you're combative, if you're hard to be around, if you're always arguing, like that's not what the majority of men are attracted to. Um, yeah, most men want someone who they feel like is really easy for them to be around, who they can have a lot of fun with and who they're super attracted to. Yeah. And like all of the other stuff can be like bonus, you know? So that's why I always say to my clients, like men are not intimidated. This is like the, of another very common thing I hear. Oh, you know, men are just intimidated by successful women. Men can't handle a powerful woman. I'm like, they're not intimidated. They just don't like it. They don't like the energy you're putting out. I don't think that most men care if you make a ton of money and are super well-educated, if you're sweet and fun and easy for him to get along with. Like that's not going to be intimidating him. They often don't like an energy where it's like, well, what are you going to do for me? Right? Like, do you think that you're on my level? Like, how are you going to give me what I want? So it's like, he's not intimidated. He just doesn't like it. Like he doesn't like you. You're being mean to him. Like so often guys just want someone they feel like is nice to them. And a lot of women, like we are not (laughs) like we are used to like being mean to guys. Yeah. And I feel also not to necessarily correct in the sense you by any means, but I do notice that it's the high value men, not all men who don't care about those kind of things, because there are the, the lower I'm doing codes value men who always bring up to me my work and what I do. And they always want to talk about it. Even though I said I had high standards, I still found myself dating or hanging out with or talking to these guys, even though I knew like, I don't enjoy having a conversation with the guy who wants to know what I bring to the table, who wants to constantly ask about my job. And even if sometimes maybe they're just in the sense, trying to make conversation and just, you know, get me to talk about what I do, but I'm like a high value man is exactly what you described. Like, not that they don't care in the sense that they won't even ask about it, but it, they're not going to bring up work for you all the time. Like they don't, it's just not what they are interested in for, from you. You're a hundred percent correct. A high value man can have any woman that he wants. It's the low value men that lose women like, like us, you know, that we say, okay, like maybe you're cute or maybe we have a good time together. Maybe you're fun, but ultimately something is missing for me. You know, that's there. I mean, please, there are multi-millionaire men who are, have girlfriends and wives that are not even employed. (laughs) They don't even need to work. They've never made a dollar since they met him. So, you know, it, it had, it really, your income and your job and all that has nothing to do with the type of man that you're going to have, even though us successful women like myself convince ourselves of that. Like, this is what I deserve because this is who I am. I think also like, you want to be aware if you're looking for like a needle in a haystack, you know, if you're saying, I want a man who makes at least $300,000 a year and he has to be over six feet tall and he must have blue eyes and he has to have black hair and he has to drive this kind of car. It's like, does that man exist? Yes. You're looking for a very, very small number of men. And they're going to be in like the absolute highest percent, right? Like that's talking about a man who's in like the top 1%, you know, for any age group. And so then if you're saying he has to be under 35 again, possible, but like you're looking at a very small number of men, right? So it's like, you're looking for this very top percent of men. So the question is just like, am I in the top 1% of women? Like, am I as beautiful as like the top 1% of women? Right. And like, I think when you think about it like that, where it's like, 
Like I would have been like, no, no, I'm not, you know, like <laughs> that's very humbling, <laughs> right. It's, it's like yeah, a different so. way of looking at it, especially when you're saying you want someone who really makes a lot of money. And especially if he's very young. Now, if you're saying I'm, you know, 24, 25, 26, I'm happy to date a guy who's in his early forties because I really want that man who makes a lot of money. You're opening things up a little bit more because like your age is going to give you a little bit of an advantage, right? Like and it's interesting because I actually tell my clients in like when I have clients who are in their early 40s, I'm like, don't look for a guy your age, like guys who are 40, 41, 42. They're the least likely. You're much more likely to find someone who's younger than you because like plenty of guys in their 30s would be very happy to go out with a woman who's in her early 40s. And then obviously men that are older. But like that is just like something that I've seen over and over again. So it's like you want to set yourself up for success. But the other thing I want to say, I couldn't remember for a second, just came back to me is that like, when we're talking about like what a man can provide, this is also like a mindset because there are men who have a ton of resources who are very, very well off and they do not want to provide for a woman. They're afraid of being taken advantage of, or, you know, that's just not how they see things, whatever it is. So it's like, you can't just go after a millionaire because you think that it's going to give you the life that you want, because there are women dating guys that are much more average, but who are like, if I'm your man, it's my job to provide for you. I had a friend whose husband lost his job during the pandemic. And he was like, okay, well, I'm the man of this family. So I'm going to drive Uber and I'm going to deliver, you know, um, you know, DoorDash or, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. What are the, the food delivery thing? Like yeah. he picked up all these on jobs and it's like, he had been in high tech before. Like this was a, a smart, high achieving guy who'd been making well over six figures. And immediately he was like, I got to figure something else out. And he had no ego about it. Like he was just like, I am the man I have to take care of my family. So like, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, he ended up getting another very high paying job. Um, you know, when people started hiring again, essentially, but it was like, it's such a different, it's a mentality. So there's a show called marrying millions, um, that I actually feel like you would really enjoy. It was on, I have to watch that. I'm like, so bummed. There haven't been any new episodes, but I think it was on like lifetime. Anyway, it was like these couples and one was much older and one was, uh, well, usually one was much older and one was much younger. Um, but one was very wealthy and one wasn't. But the couple in particular that I'm thinking of, they were actually both young. The guy was maybe 30, maybe in his late 20s. He was dating this stunning, beautiful, beautiful girl um, who was like 25, 26. And she, the way that I saw her on the show, she seemed so sweet, so down to earth, so not actually looking to use him for his money. But he was so paranoid about like someone using him that he was like not even treating her the way like an average guy would treat a girlfriend. Like when they went out, it was like, oh, can you put down for your half? You know, and he was so stingy and like afraid and so contracted and had such a scarcity mindset. And it was like, they finally ended up breaking up because she was like, God, you know what? I actually do deserve better than this. But it was like, it took a little while. She was so intent on proving to him, like, I'm not using you for your money. And then she was just like, this isn't worth it. Like, he's actually a jerk because he was, you know? So anyway, there are men who want to be providers who don't make crazy amounts of money, but who are going to be much better providers than someone who is rich and selfish, essentially. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so true because she's probably like, I could date a guy who makes way less money than you. And I still wouldn't be treated like that. Like, what is the point here? Oh my gosh. That's so silly. Okay. So my last little question here to close it out is going back to that famous quote of yours that I love. If he can't afford a date, he can't afford a wife. Can you elaborate on this? Because I know I always talk about it, but I think everyone needs to hear from you what that really means ultimately. So, I mean, it means a couple of things, right? If he cannot afford, if he doesn't have enough money for a dinner date, then it's going to be very hard to build a life with you. You know, it's like life takes money. So if he's like, I can't scrape together the money for like a dinner date, then like, 
to have rent for two people and just like paying your bills. And like, if you have a family together, like diapers and daycare and all of these expenses that come with just like living life, right? Like being a wife, having a wife takes more money than dating and more money than a girlfriend. If he is a provider type, like if he's planning on providing and not even to say, um, that like he has to be 100% responsible. Like even if you do split things or you contribute financially in other ways, like if he cannot afford a date, how is he going to afford a wife? Like how is he going to afford to build a life with someone? Because I sometimes have clients where it's like they're going out with a guy and he's like, oh, can we postpone? Like I don't have money for gas. You got to have some level of like financial stability. I mean, that's my desire for my clients is to have men that can afford to live, you know, like, not to say that men that don't have money don't don't get love like they do, but like maybe just maybe it won't be with you, right? Like, and then I think it's also about like the effort that someone's willing to make. You know, it's the same thing. Sometimes I say like, if he won't plan a date, he won't plan a future. It's the exact same thing. Like, if he can't, if he's so like, let's go with the flow. Let's just sort of see what happens. And he's calling you you know, when he's five minutes away from your house to see if you want to go out because he can't plan a date, it's going to be very hard to live a life with that, like with someone like that. You know, it's like, not that everything has to be planned out to a T, but it's frustrating. You know, sometimes things take planning. You know, it's like, I have very much on my mind having children because like I have, a, you know, I have a child and, you know, some of the things that became relevant in my life when I was pregnant and since I've had a child, have just sort of reinforced to me, uh, like kind of the accuracy of my own teachings in a way, because like a lot of the things that I emphasize are really about like the qualities that the other person has. And, you know, one of the things that I experienced when I was pregnant was really severe pregnancy sickness. And I had it for my entire pregnancy, you know? So it's like, we can get really hung up on having a bad boy or someone who's super sexy or like someone who, you know, I, I don't know, you know, is a jet set type, right? But it was like, none of those things mattered to me at the time. Like I was sick day and night. And so it was like, for me, having a husband who was like, I will get you a bucket. I will clean out that bucket. I'm still going to love you when you're peeing day and night. Like that mattered to me way more, you know, when I had the baby and it's like, you have this weird, like water words after you give birth, you know, and it's like having a man that was there for me and wanted to be there and who would rather be with me and our daughter more than anywhere else. Like all of that mattered so much more than some of the other things that like you think are really important. You know, like when I was dating, one of the things I loved was like someone who was super charming. Like if a guy was really, really charming, I just thought it was the best. Like I wanted that witty banter and I was just thought that was everything. And it's like, turns out in regular life, you don't need that much witty banter. Like you want someone you connect with, someone who cares about the way that you feel and like wants to see you happy. There's so many times where it's like you get to make a choice about like your own happiness or your partner's happiness. And like my husband chooses my happiness so many of the times. And it's just like, it's very special. Like this is someone who cares about like seeing me happy and not that he's responsible for my happiness, but he acts as if he is right. And so that really sort of drives the way that he treats me and the way that he behaves towards me and the way that he like continuously shows up for me. And so all of these things are just sort of reminders that the qualities that might make someone really fun to date, um, or like super exciting or like give you those crazy butterflies aren't per se the things that are going to matter when you're really establishing a life with someone. And I think that's important to remember because when you're dating, especially if you've been dating longer than you'd like to, and you thought that you'd already be coupled up by now and you wish you were already married and you were already hoping to have started your family, it really can start to feel like marriage is the um, finish line. Like once I get married, I get to have my happily ever after. And, you know, while getting married is a wonderful thing and having a beautiful wedding can be very special. And obviously that can be a major marker in your life. It's not the end. Like that is just the start of a new season, a new phase. And sometimes we approach dating without preparing for that next season at all. Um, but if you can become a better dater and you can really focus on the qualities that are going to matter in the longer term, 
it makes the transition from dating to actually in that committed relationship much easier and more seamless and ultimately happier. That is perfect. I love that is like such a genius way to think about it. You know, if you can't plan a date, you can't plan a future. And, you know, the whole idea of what, what will matter more in the long run, you know, I know you've even said spark isn't necessarily an indicator that that's your person. You know, spark is spark is spark. It's what you said. It's the charming, it's that wittiness, it's that banter, it's that flirtiness. It makes you feel sexy and fun. And while that's all fine and dandy and that's great, I think a lot of us women hang on to that for a little too long. (laughs) And then maybe we skip over the guy who's not like that, or they could be as well, but sometimes they're not like that, but they are more serious. They are more committed. They are more ready. And I think that in itself is extremely important for a woman who wants a guy who, aside from the money and affording a wife in that sense, but the guy who can plan for a wife, you know, the guy who can make the effort for a wife and I, I just think that that is super fabulous. And I really, really, really love that. And I, I'm still learning from you. Isn't that amazing? I, I wrote these questions down based on what I recalled from already learning from you. So when I made these questions, I kind of wrote them based on knowing, at least I thought knowing what the answer would be, because I'm like, we talked about this. We talked about this. She helped me with this. We talked about that. I wanted it to be really relatable to what we've already discussed. And now I ask you the questions and I'm getting like all new answers and learning. And I'm like, wait, this is amazing. This isn't even what I thought. This was great. Thank you so much. Can you tell everyone where they can plug you like your, your channels, what's your usernames and all that kind of stuff. So find me on Instagram. I'm at crystal Iram. Um, and Iram is I R O M as in Mary. So come find me on Instagram. That's going to be where you'll hear from me. I also have a, a podcast called rise in love. My website's also my name. So I'm just bopping around. I'm all over the internet. You should be able to find me. I post a good amount of a good amount of free content. And then of course I have my, um, my, my courses in coaching for yeah. anyone who wants to take the work deeper. I highly, highly recommend those courses. And I, I say that completely as someone who paid for it in full myself, you know, I, this is not something you have a lot of followers. you got like, no, I paid for this course and I am a client of this course. And I recommend this course as well as crystals Mm -hmm. podcast, because we all love free value and we all love free content. We all love learning things, you know, for free, but you just get so much more value when you take that investment. So I'm a big believer in that. So thank you, Crystal, for sharing with us. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was so, I, I love these conversations. I love talking to people who, you know, have the genuine curiosity. Cause I know that you're also asking about things that like you want to talk about, but also have like, you have an understanding of like my teachings and where I come from. So this was really, really fun. It was, I was very excited when you reached out so that we could do this and yeah. it was just great. I'm excited. <laughs> you. Bye. Bye. And there we have it. Thank you girls so much for listening to all of the episodes that I put out this year. And I'm really excited for 2022. I think I'm going to take a mini, 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 mini break and I will be back right before you know it. So thank you so much for all the love, support. Be sure to show some love on the podcast app and on Instagram and have an amazing, amazing, amazing New Year's Eve. I'll see you all in 2022. Until next time, girls.